In the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. I invite all those up through the 12th grade, please come forward. You found the right key. (laughs) You what? You already knew? Good morning, everybody. What is the part of the body that remembers things? Do you know? Is it the heart? The knee? Who? The The brain? The mind? Right? And it helps us to remember things, right? So do you know your telephone numbers? Yeah, I know you probably know two, three. This generation knows push three. That's my mom. Push two. I remember 60 years ago, I remember my grandmother's phone number. Eight, three, eight, six, one, oh, five. We had the, you know, we had the, yeah. <laughs> it was a different kind of phone back then. But I still, I, she doesn't answer anymore. She's in heaven now. Um, we remember our addresses. Those are important to remember, right? Those sorts of things. There are other things that we should remember, like when somebody's about to give you something, you ask for something, what do you say? No, before. Please, right? And then when they give it to you, you say, thank you, right? Yeah, that's good. And if your mom tells you something or your dad tells you something, you'll say, mom, and and they ask you a question and you say, yes, or yeah, or you say, yes, sir, or yes, ma'am. That's what we learned when we grew up. Didn't always do it, but that's what we learned. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Those are... Respectful things, that means you respect your mom, you respect your dad, your grandparents, whoever. And so those are good things to remember. Jesus taught us to remember certain things. We read, them, we read about these things in the Bible. I want to test your memories. I'm going to divide you up into two groups. So you, you, and you all remember one thing, and you all remember one thing. So the first thing is I want you to remember, it's easy, Love God, and I want you to remember, love your neighbor. Okay? So what's yours? Love God. What's yours? A little louder. Say it again. No, 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 yours. The yours is? Love God. See how loud they said it? What's yours? Love your neighbor. Love your neighbor. Let me teach you the next thing, a little bit harder. So seek his kingdom, give to the poor. What's your first one? No, your first one. What's your first one? What's your second one? What's your second one? Uh huh. Say it again. Give to the poor, everybody together. Give to the poor. Give to the poor. Right? What's your second one? What's your second one? That's right. One more time. Jesus is king. We're getting harder. Jesus is king. I am a child of God. Your first one. Jesus 
<laughs> Number one, first one. What's your first one? Love your neighbor. What's your second one? What's your second one? Give to the poor. What's your third one? <laughs> Jesus is king. What's your third one? I am a child of God. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes we don't get everything that Jesus tells us. But the wonderful thing about it is he gives us the Holy Spirit to help us remember the things that Jesus taught us. So the Holy Spirit not only helps us remember, the Holy Spirit guides us and helps us along the path of life so that we don't stray too much from our destiny, heaven, the kingdom of God. He wants us to stay on this path. And so the Holy Spirit guides us to stay on this path. But we have to ask, and there we can remember to ask, God, I need your help. I need you to guide me, Lord. That's okay. It's okay to ask. He wants us to ask. So there's a lot of things we can't remember that Jesus taught us. But the Holy Spirit, as we continue to read the Bible and say our prayers, come to church, do the things God wants us to do, then he helps us to remember the things that bring us closer and closer and closer to him and his kingdom. That's so important. Remember these things. Okay? All right. Thanks for playing the game with me. I know we have uh, some guests today. Thank you for coming, all of you, thank you for coming. We've got a lot of people out either on the Israel trip, uh, some from the parish on that trip. We've got some of our daughters at Provincial Assembly in Scottsdale, Arizona, coming back today, I hope. And, um, and then I think maybe the rain might have kept some people away, but we're glad you're all here. But guests, I want you to know that the congregation insists that I tell a joke before the sermon some people might not call them jokes, really, I promise, but uh, that's what I try to make them to be. So a man walks into a doctor's office, and he asks the doctor to inspect his leg. And the man said, here, put your ear. Oh, you're not walking out yet. They were at the 730 service. This is planned. They were at the 730 service, and they, okay, don't come back in. And the man says, here, doctor, put your, put your ear to my knee. The doctor puts his ear to the man's knee and hears very faintly a voice coming from the knee. Come on, can I have five bucks? Just five bucks. The doctor steps back in horror and the man says, I know, I know, but it gets worse. Put your ear to my shin. The doctor puts his ear to the man's shin and hears very faintly a voice coming from the shin Come on, can I have 10 bucks? Just 10 bucks? Once again, the doctor stands up very perplexed. The man then says, if that surprises you, put your ear to my ankle. The doctor puts his ear to the man's ankle and hears oh so faintly, come on, can I have 20 bucks? Just 20 bucks. And then the doctor stands up and says, well, I can come to one conclusion. Your leg is broke in three places.
No, stay out. See, the thing is, I know you had to hear me out there because you knew when to come in. Oh, okay. Many, many moons ago, I was an assistant to the rector at a rather large downtown church in, in Beaumont, Texas. And one of the distinct privileges and responsibilities given to us as a parish back then was to care for the needs of a very large, poor, and transient group of people in the downtown area. And one of the ways we were to help was to supply somewhere between 25 to 30 bags of groceries every weekday morning. We would open the doors at 7, and the first 30 people to come in and sit in the line of chairs, we would hand them a bag of, a big bag of, of groceries. And we would also hand out snack packs throughout the day. They would come and ring the bell, and we would hand them a snack pack with water and crackers and a couple of other things. But we would also cook a, and supply a, a hot meal to over 200 people every Tuesday and Thursday in our parish hall. And there was one man in particular who was known to almost everybody in the downtown area. His name was Henry. And for as long as most people could remember, Henry had wandered the streets of downtown Beaumont. And even though Henry had a very small upstairs garage apartment that he paid with through some kind of monthly disability income, most of us still thought of Henry as a, as a street person, as, as a person with no place to lay his head. His own memory of how he started on the street was when his mother died and he was sent to the Austin State Hospital. But he couldn't be clear on the year when that happened. And then when the state hospital began letting people out because of funding, low funds, uh, Henry was asked, where would you like to go? We will give you a bus ticket. And Henry had some recollection of Beaumont in the back of his mind. And so he said Beaumont, and they sent him to Beaumont. Henry would wander in and out of our church doors just about every day and every night, and probably the other churches in the downtown area as well. He seemed to be there more often in the cold weather season. Most of the people at our church knew his story, which he narrated in some sort of monotone fashion without ever stopping for breath, just kind of repeating and repeating and repeating his story. And one night it was very late and cold and Henry's electricity had evidently been cut off again. So I let him in to sleep on the bench in the church and that was not anything peculiar. Just shortly before that time, we had started what we call a monks program where certain volunteers would volunteer to spend the night at the church to make sure that those who slept in the church were not causing any problems. When we finally started having to lock our doors, as did most churches at that time, 
We changed the program to end at 10 p.m., and so everybody had to be out of the church at 10 p.m. But on this particular night, I let Henry in to sleep. This was after the program had ended all night. And then I went to turn out the lights in the church so he could have a little bit of darkness. And I heard him talking to himself, talking to no one really except maybe just the darkness. The same long litany, his lifetime story, his broken record played and replayed and replayed. But then in the middle of the paragraph, he said something unusual, something new. He said, thank you, Jesus, for this warm house. It's so cold outside. He didn't skip a beat, went right back on to the rest of his life story. I stood there in that darkened aisle as though I had had a visitation from an angel, kind of like the visitation Abraham and Sarah had when these Men, angels came looking for something to eat. I heard, thank you, Jesus, for this warm home. It's cold outside. Jesus tells us in our reading, gospel reading, those who love me will keep my word, and my Father will love them, and we will come to them, and we will make our home with them. And on that particular night at St. Mark's, it seemed that God had come to be at home with us in Henry. It was not we that loved so very well, but that Henry, or God in Henry, had come to live with us that night. And for a brief moment, he became my teacher his very presence taught me something about God's longing to be at home on the earth with us. Once around Thanksgiving time, again, those many, many moons ago, we're talking 30 years ago, several first graders at this downtown parish, St. Mark's, they had come to church to bake communion bread as part of their first communion preparation. And when our session was over, the talking, the baking, they got ready to go back home. But Henry had kind of fallen asleep on their jackets, which were lying on a bench. And no one said, oh, yuck. Although they might have thought it, because Henry would sometimes smell not so good. And Henry looked very scraggly most of the time. But instead, the first graders wanted to make Henry something to eat. And so we went up to the kitchen in the parish hall, and, which was upstairs, and they found some corned beef, canned corned beef and some cheese and two English muffins, and they made sandwiches, and they found some chips and a couple of apples. It took quite a while since each one of them wanted to be involved in the making of the meal, but finally they put the lunch in a bag and were off to where their jackets were and gently one of them said his name, Henry. He woke up with a start, made them jump back, and then they handed him the brown bag. And he took it with thanks and began to tell them about his life. And quietly, they just retrieved their jackets and started for home while he was still 
talking. They knew that he would still be talking when they saw him again. When their parents asked them what they learned about communion, we were told that it was Henry's lunch they talked about. And it's not a bad understanding of Holy Communion, of Christ's real presence, God making a home with us in the breaking of bread, in the sharing of a lunch. And I certainly don't mean to be sentimental about homeless people, not to say that God purposely makes people homeless so as to be our teachers, nor do I claim that Henry was really Jesus in disguise because much of the time we were really frustrated with Henry. He would get in the way, he would take a lot of our time, and again, he smelled not so good. But at the very least, Henry had become for me and for many in our congregation a parable of God making a home with us. That experience of acceptance and love, that reaching beyond ourselves and our friends to someone who simply appeared in our midst, helping us to see our church building as Jesus' warm home. It had awakened us to the notion of God longing to be at home with us, and we will come to them, Jesus said, and we will make our home with them. We hadn't thought much about God looking for a home. We usually hear it the other way around, that someday God would take us to be at home with him. Remember Jesus said, in my Father's house are many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you. But for now, it is we who are called to make a place for God. To believe that God longs to make a home with us here on this earth. Of course, we can't do it by ourselves, for we are limited in our vision of who we will bring home. But the promise Jesus made to the disciples is the promise which continues to come to us also, the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. The Spirit will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you as we were just talking about in the children's sermon. And now I have told you before it takes place so that when it does take place, you may believe. Such visitations of the Holy Spirit seem to be rare to us today, at least the extraordinary visitations. They come in ways we don't expect, often in a quiet way, in a small way, maybe smaller than we had hoped for, like Elijah, who we might have been waiting for an earthquake or a mighty wind, but the Spirit comes to us as it did to Elijah in a still, small voice. Or a prayer in the darkness. Thank you, Jesus, for this warm house. It's cold outside. Henry had been, re been with us, reminding us that it's so cold outside, outside the embrace of loved ones 
outside the embrace of community in vast cities and small towns, so cold without anyone who cares if you're ever at home. Jesus said, those who love me will keep my word and my Father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. Thank you, Jesus, for this promise. It is a cold, cold world out there. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.